All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service back here in Victory Hall. Amen. Well, we'll give you all some good updates here in a few minutes on on how things are progressing uh, next door. But God has been really, really good to us. You know, I've been just telling somebody that all day long, I've just been getting testimonies of good things happening in people's lives, new jobs, new, you know, promotions and all sorts of great things all day long. So the Lord is blessing the people. People of High Desert Word Center. Amen. Give Jesus some praise tonight. All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. So can we stand up together tonight? Amen. We're going to speak some faith because we know that we shall have whatsoever we say according to Mark eleven twenty three, And we are seeing that all the time. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give Jesus some praise. All right. You may be seated. All right, well, let's update everybody on what's going on here. So first of all, I think everybody knows, but just in case anybody doesn't know, or maybe anybody watched online, that um, we sustained a flood next door um, last Tuesday. And anyway, praise the Lord, insurance is covering it. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We've had the adjusters and all those guys out here this week. So we're moving right along, right on track for where we need to be. Uh, but that's why we are in here for tonight. Now, um, the good news is, is that we are on track to have service for the adults in the main building on Sunday. So let's give the Lord some praise right there. Amen. And um, and so uh, here's the thing. The bathrooms are not usable. They're totally ripped out and demolished and everything. And the nursery is totally unusable. So that won't be happening. But uh, I know everyone's going to be excited about this. We have rented not one, not two, not three, but four porta potties that are coming in somebody. Yeah. Everybody loves a good porta potty. Yeah, I mean, everybody, it's a good time. So, but you have our word that they will be the cleanest that the high desert has ever seen. Amen. Now I knew we were believing for a new bathroom remodel. I just didn't know it would come in this form, but praise God, you know, it's good stuff. Uh, but we will have indoor plumbing again at some point and we look forward to that great modern luxury. Uh, but, uh, those are coming in and, um, and so we're gonna ha- still have the children's classes will kind of be, uh, over here and in the administration building for the next little while while things are getting done. But uh, again, just be patient on that. Um, and so uh, tomorrow night at five o'clock, uh, we are going to be getting together, anybody that can, to uh, help set up the the stage area. We cannot be on the stage. We'll be on the lower level, so we're going to have the wood wall. We've already got it down, but it's going to be right in front of where the stage is. And so the worship team and the preaching will all take place on the floor level for a little while. But we need some uh, we need some able-bodied men or, you know, or women to come at uh, 5 o'clock tomorrow and give us a hand to move some things around and get things rolling for Sunday. So if you could help, 
I ask that you really quick raise your hand. We're going to grab your name real quick and see if you could uh, be with us. So Leah, just keep her hand up. Leah is uh, getting names right now, so we'll let her do that. But we appreciate it, and uh, and so many people have helped throughout this process to uh, to help us get where we where we need to be, and it, it has taken a lot of work. But that's why we're a family, right? Families pitch in and help each other out when it counts, and so uh, we really appreciate that. So uh, just keep your hand up for a second, and Leah, whenever you think you've got everybody, tell me you got everybody. You got one more there. All right. Very good. All right. Well, I think that she got everybody. Very good. All right. Praise the Lord for all that. Uh, tomorrow also, uh, if you signed up to be involved with the Harvest Fest planning, there's going to be a Harvest Fest planning meeting at 630 in this building tomorrow night. Okay. And uh, and if your name was on that list, you'll probably be getting a text message or something. But anyway, we're just a couple months out from that. And that is, of course, our biggest event of the whole year. And we're really, really excited to be going full scale once again this year. And uh, it's going to be really, really awesome. So we uh, just want everybody to be involved and help out with that. All right. And then the final announcement is um, Children's Church Promotion Sunday. We couldn't do it this past week, but we are doing it this Sunday. All right. And, you know, if you don't know what that is, um, it's when each the kids that are moving up a grade level and moving on to the next class in children's ministry, uh, we give them a certificate and uh, and kind of have a little little party for them and promote them up to the next grade level. And uh, we want to make sure we get to do that. Uh, we don't want them to miss out on that. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to Mrs. Pastor come up and she is going to tell you about the fall kickoff to the women's meeting. All right. Well, we had July and August off because I know all you moms and stuff like that are super busy in the summertime. But uh, the theme is going to be celebrating you. And so I got the Holy Ghost and I have some really special stuff planned. Um, we're going to be in here in Victory, 630, February the 9th. It's always the second Friday night of the month, uh, 630 in here. We're going to have a salad bar. So the church will provide all the, the, the basic salad stuff. But you got to bring all the other stuff, you know, and you got a list here and your little thing I passed out. Or bring some tiny sandwiches or some tiny desserts, okay, and bring your Bible and your notebook and stuff. I'll have a sign-up sheet. Because I want, there's a special gift I want to buy for all of you, and I have to know how many of you are going to be coming. But I'll have a sign-up sheet for you real soon. Amen? All right. Amen. What time is it, boys and girls? All right. Hold up your hands to the envelope for your tithes and your offerings, and then look at Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Now we're going to look at verse 3 and verse 4. Psalms 37, verse 3 and verse 4. And Pastor Dave's been teaching out of the Psalms all summer long, and Psalms 37 has always been one of my favorite Psalms. He mentioned it last week, but uh, I've, been, I've been feeding on these verses, Psalms 37, 3, 4, and 5, for a couple months. I started off as a new Christian in this Psalm. And for my life, that's where I've been feeding that again. Every night when I go to bed, I lay there, quote Psalms 37, verse 4 and 5 to the Lord, wake up in the morning time. First thing I do is open my Bible, look at Psalms 37. And uh, I was minded this a while ago. I was talking to one of our young men, thinking about another job and things like that. And, and th- this is how God's plan works to get God's best. Psalms 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Joseph shall dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. And the center, center column says, for that verily thou shalt be fed, that, minute, that literally means feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. I was, I was at a meeting last night with uh, some people of Barstow, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to pray. I just closed my eyes, and I was coming in the throne and pray what comes out. And that's the main thing. They were looking at some hopeless situations. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, it looked hopeless when David saw the big giant. And Israel saw the big giant. But David stopped, and he saw you how big you were. <laughs> no comparison to the giant. And I think about us. When you begin to feed on the faithfulness of God, no matter what giant you're looking at, they get smaller and smaller. That's why some of the Psalms say these words, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And, you know, I know when I was a little kid, I used to watch some of those uh, goofy shows where they'd show something look like a great, great big giant dinosaur. And come to find out that little lizard with a magnifying glass on it made that little bitty lizard look like a giant dinosaur. And the devil, if you focus on the problems, he'll magnify the problem and God will get smaller and smaller in your sight and the giant will get bigger and bigger and you'll quit. But it says you feed on his faithfulness. Now here's what I want you to see though. Think about us as, as people that walk in our covenant. We tithe, we love, we know how to talk right, we serve God. He says delight thyself also. You feed on his faithfulness. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Now look at this. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And for a casual reader, they don't really know what that means. When you're hooked up with Jesus so close that your fellowship with him every day in his word, then he starts changing your desires from what you used to desire with your head. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 says, We used to walk by the desires of our flesh. And so as you feel in his faithfulness, your desires start changing. All of a sudden, you don't want a lot of stuff, money just so you can spend it on yourself and, and do all kinds of stupid stuff. You want money because you want to be a blessing. That's the desires of God. And so that desires of the heart he gives you is twofold. Number one, he puts his desires in your heart, and then they become your desires. But they were his, they become yours. Then you begin praying out his desires because they're now your desires. And then he gives you the desires of your heart. Hey Amen. You get that? He gives you the desires so it'll become your desires. And then if you're praying about, you're praying his desires. That's why some people have desires for better jobs to make a lot of money because God put it on their heart. They need more money to fulfill the plan of God. Amen. So things change anyway. So just as you tithe and as you do the things you do, always make sure you remember the one you're tithing to. Always stay connected. Always have your Bible open. Always delight yourself in the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will begin to change things in your thinking to where you'll start doing things you never thought you'd do because God changed your desires. Amen? Amen. So let's stand up, make our financial faith confession, and just always remember, these things that we speak out, this financial faith confession, we're not just some religious church that has catechisms or something we do. These are things from the Word of God. I'm not knocking catechisms. But these are things from the Word of God, principles that we speak these out. Jesus said we'll have what we say what's in life the Word of God. So let's, let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, 
benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, find of money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meeting all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, to get gesture in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. worship the Lord together tonight, so let's all sing if we can. Our praise becomes your house, your grace. Our praise becomes your house, your grace. Our praise becomes your house, your praise. Our praise becomes your house, your praise, oh God. We sing. We sing a song and you come in. Take a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give your praise and you come in. Sing a song and you come in. Take a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise. You inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. Your place, our place becomes your house. Your place, our place becomes your house. Your place, our place becomes your house. Your place, oh God. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise, you inhabit the praises of your people, you inhabit the praises of your people.
sing tonight. I am holding on to faith Cause I know you'll make a way I don't always understand I don't always get to see But I will believe it I will believe it Let's sing that out Cause you make mountains move, sing it. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. And I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. I'm standing on your word. I am standing on your word. You guys sing that out. Calling heaven. I will believe it. You make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful. You were faithful. You were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Let's declare this. And I know that I know that you never fail. Yes, I know that I know that you never will. And I know that I know that you never fail. Songs of praise 
to shake prison walls, and I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then, and you'll be faithful now. Praise your Lord Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands to Him tonight. Lord, we know that You have been faithful. There's never one moment of our lives when we've really been on our own. And God, maybe we felt like that, but we know the truth of the matter is You said You would never leave us. You'd never forsake us, Lord. And we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, You've been there every single step of the way. And so we thank You for that tonight, Lord. We thank You for Your faithfulness, for Your loving kindness, for Your mercies that are new every single morning. Because, Lord, we need them. We need new mercies every single morning. And we praise You for Your goodness. Lord, we ask that You would speak to us tonight. Lord, tell us the truth. Tell us what we need to hear because we realize that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And we want freedom in our lives. We praise You for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank You. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. While you're turning around there, why don't you say hey to somebody, give them a nice high five or a handshake or something along those lines. All right, you lovely people. Go back to your seats now, you yahoos. I know, I said give someone a high five. You're all hugging. And, yeah. Now, the book of First uh, Thessalonians, it says to br- greet the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, I, I mean, I love them, you know, praise God. I believe in all that, but do not kiss me. All right, that would, wouldn't turn out well, especially if you're a dude. That would really be even worse. Amen. That's going to be a holy kiss, yeah. But. All right, well, praise God. We're going to get into the Word together tonight. Who's excited for the Bible? Yes. All right, well, we have been studying. I don't know if anybody is aware of this, but we've been studying what for the past eight, nine weeks? Summer in the Psalms. And someone's like, man, I was looking for a summer in the Palms. Well, no, no, no. We're here for the summer in the Psalms. And uh, and I believe that we've seen a lot of really good things uh, over these past set. Well, it's been more than nine weeks. I mean, it's been like more like 11, 12. But anyway, uh, it's been a really, really uh, good time. I love the book of Psalms. And, and uh, you know, I talk about that a lot. But I read from the Psalms every day. I read, you know, make sure I read from the New Testament as well. But read from the book of Psalms every single day and the Lord just is always pouring something fresh into my heart and I get the joy of the Lord. Amen. I get the peace of God and I am ready to fight the world. I love it. All right. So um, tonight we're going to be continuing. I'm going to wrap up Psalm 34 and we've, this will be our third week on Psalm 34 and it's taken three weeks, even though it's not a very long Psalm. It's my personal favorite, so it's taken a little bit of time, but I love Psalm 34. And so let's flip back over there, Psalm 34, amen. Who's been loving some Psalm 34 with me? Now, uh, Psalm 34, I, I, I've said this, but I clearly remember the first time really uh, 
reading it and getting a just I was in a rough spot in my life and uh, and I I read this psalm and I'm like verse after verse just spoke to me and was really what I needed to hear and we know that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God Romans 10:17 and so as I just read this my faith just got stronger and stronger and I was ready to take on everything that was coming at me but Psalm 34 is incredible because David wrote this right after uh, you know the heading of your chapter that I'll probably tell you but he was running from King Saul for his life and he was, uh, he had to pretend like he was a crazy homeless man, uh, so the enemy army wouldn't, you know, hand him over. And, uh, and so it was a really low moment, but the Lord rescued him and delivered him. And so afterwards, he writes this beautiful psalm, and it's really, uh, what we call a Hebrew acrostic poem. And if, if you know Hebrew, which I'm, Anybody actually totally know Hebrew in here? Didn't think so. That's all right. Neither do I. But uh, each line, uh, each each verse starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so anyway, uh, it, and, and you may think that's not impressive, but that's really a lot of the Psalms are like that. They're Hebrew poems and as very skilled writers, the Lord gave them obviously what to say. But it is an impressive thing that uh, that the Lord did with David right there. All right. So we're going to look at two things out of Psalm 34 tonight. I'm going to read the rest of the verse that uh, we have not gotten to yet, but there's two points that they're going to cover, and I want to get into this because this first thing is very, very special and and important to me, all right? So the first thing we're going to see here uh, as we read the rest of this chapter is, number one, the fear of the Lord. Number one, you need to fear the Lord. And uh, so we're going to look at Psalm 34 and verse 11. Psalm 34 and verse 11. Amen. Yeah, someone's excited. I like that. Yeah. Psalm 34 and verse 11. And he says, King David says, come my children and listen to me and I will teach you to fear the Lord. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Now, I briefly mentioned this last week that the the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. Now, I've I've got to explain this, and I'll do the best that I can in a very short few minutes here uh, on this particular point. But, you know, most people, I always heard that, and I'm like, well, okay. I mean, my parents always taught me not to be afraid of God, you know, but to, you know, believe Him and love Him and have faith in Him. But all over Scripture, especially Psalms and Proverbs, nonstop, it says, fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord, you know, is the beginning of wisdom and all these different things. And nonstop, especially King David and his son Solomon tell you repeatedly, fear God. And I never really got what in the world that meant. But you need to realize that the fear of the Lord is not being scared or afraid that your heavenly father is going to do something bad to you. He's not the, the the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. And so the the Hebrew word used repeatedly in the Old Testament for this fear of the Lord is yira and this this word means reverence. Reverence reverence for God, respect. And and I hate to even say respect because it's such a weak word for how deep this word actually is. But the fear of the Lord is such a reverence, such a respect that it changes your whole life. You want to do everything you can to please God because you respect him that much. You ever think about, you know, somebody, uh, there's a, maybe there's somebody in your life that you really super respect and look up to. And, and if this person came over to your house, 
you'd clean it the very best you could. You would dress the best you could. You would give them the best you could. You would make all of your children say please and thank you, and none of them would burp at the table or anything. You would, if if, if this person that you respect and admire and revere so much was to come over, you would totally change your behavior and everything about you. And it's not because you're afraid that they would, you know, punish you if you didn't fall in line. No, you just, you, you respect them and reverence them so much. And, and anything compared to God is such a weak thing. But I know this much. When you begin to fear the Lord, it will absolutely change the way that you behave and the way that you live your life. And, you know, it, it's just a serious thing. And um, it changes everything about you. And so I, I guess I, I, I should say this, that, that, that fearing God, fearing God means having such a reverence for him that it has a great impact on the way we live our lives. We respect him so much that it changes you. Because I know a lot of people that, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, oh, yeah. But they don't fear God. Their actions don't say that they fear God. And really, I love the Lord and followed him and went through a couple of Bible colleges and got a couple of degrees <laughs> and really learned a lot about God in the Bible. And I loved him. But I, if I were to be honest, I didn't totally fear God in the way that I should till about 2011. And, uh, and, 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 I'm, and, and, and the reason this, this topic is so important to me, no topic in scripture has changed my life more than this one right here. And I don't preach on it a whole lot because for me to really paint the whole picture, I was even going through some of my notes today. It's, it's hard for me to condense this because it changed my life more than anything. And, and, and when I began to actually fear the Lord, it changed how I behaved. It changed how I talked. It changed how I treated other people. It changed how I dressed. It changed so many things in my life. And it's because I wanted to please my father so much. I fell so much more in love with God than I ever had before. And now I was obeying the Bible, not out of fear that God was going to spank me, but out of I just, no, I don't want to do anything that would hurt my father. I, I just want to make, I want to do everything I can to honor him and, and, and to, and to please him. And strangely, one of the biggest things that changed in my life when I began to really fear the Lord was the TV shows that I watched. And, and you know, you may think, well, that's silly. I'm just talking about me, okay? You, you know, you talk about you, but I'm, I'm going to talk about me. One of the biggest things that changed was the TV shows and the movies that I would watch. And um, and I never really watched anything that bad, probably by most people's standards, but I would never, you can laugh, I would never watch an R-rated movie other than The Passion of the Christ, because come on, hello, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, I would watch, you know, laugh at me, PG-13 movies before I feared the Lord. I won't watch those. Now are you kidding me? Absolutely not. Uh, they're, they're, the, the, the sitcoms that I would watch that most people would say, you know, think, oh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're overreacting, Pastor Dave. Well, it came to me, it gets so real to me that would I watch that show if Jesus Christ was sitting on the couch next to me with his long hair, wonderful beard and sandals and a sparkling robe, would I be watching that show and laughing at the, well, it's just the H word. It's just the D word. They just said the A word. What, what's the big deal? Hey, you know, you do you. I just know for me that I cannot in good conscience watch something like that because I don't have to imagine that Jesus is sitting on the couch next to me. I know that he is. I know that he is. 
And I'm not, and again, I'm not afraid that he's gonna smack me for watching something wrong. I'm afraid that I'm gonna hurt his heart. I'm afraid that I'm gonna offend Jesus. We couldn't offend Jesus. Oh my gosh. Philippians tells us, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. And, and so, when I really began to fear God, I, I knew Him on a whole new level. And, and, and as, as I got to know Him more, it's been the goal of my life. Like, I'm not obeying the Bible just because I'm afraid of getting punished because I'm not afraid of that. I, but, but I'm, I'm obeying it and doing the best I can, though I fall short every day. But I'm doing the best that I can because I love Him so much and I respect Him so much that I don't want to do anything that's disrespectful to my Heavenly Father. I love him and it changed my life. And so, uh, man, there's just, again, there's, there's so much that I can say about this topic that is insanely hard for me to just put it into a 10 minute point on a Wednesday night. But, um, let me say this, that when you have the fear of the Lord, you don't have to be bribed with the blessings and the promises of the Bible in order to serve God. Now, you know, that may sound, I don't know if you, that landed with you, but what I'm saying is this. I love the blessings and I love the promises. And I am well aware that if I obey, yes, there is something in it for me. I'm, you know, I'm not going to deny that. Yes. When I tithe, the Bible does promise to rebuke the devourer, rebuke the devil for my sake. And then I've got, I live under the open windows of heaven. When I give, it shall be given unto me. When I, you know, when I, when I do certain things, yes, scripture promises me Super cool blessings and big things. But that's not why I obey the Bible. I don't obey him just for the blessings. I obey it because I fear God. I, I, I tithe because I fear God. I'm not afraid of him that something bad is going to happen if I don't. I love him and I respect him and he asked me to do it so I'm going to do it. Even if there was no promise of anything in it for me. Even if there was no, you do this, I'll give you all this. Thank God for that. But even if that wasn't there, it's a good enough reason to obey him simply because he said, hey, I want you to do this. That's all the reason I needed. Thank you, Lord, for all the blessings and wonderful things that come with it. But I'm not I'm not obeying him because of what he, he can do for me. I'm obeying him because I love him and I respect him. And Jesus said, write it down in John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you love me. And so, well, how do you prove that you love God? Well, I think there's a lot of good ways to do that. But Jesus said the way that he wants is for us to obey him. And so it's nice to walk around saying, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And yeah, sure. That's great. That's a very good thing. But that's not actually how you prove that you love Jesus. Jesus said, if you obey my commandments, that's what you do when you love me. And so uh, King David really... Uh, talked about the fear of the Lord more than anybody else. And he's the only man in scripture that it says he was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't a perfect man. He made some of the, the biggest mistakes that I have seen. And if you're ranking sins, he did some that are pretty high up on the list there. Uh, <laughs> really high up on the list. But he feared God. He repented. He got it right. He didn't defend it. He didn't say, yeah, I did this, but here's why. No. He repented and he got past that and he got things right with God. And so anyway, I was going to say this, that if your only reason for serving God and going to church is so God will give you what you want, you don't fear the Lord. 
If your only reason for serving God and going to church is only so he'll give you what you want, you don't really fear the Lord. And again, those are good things, but you know Abraham way back in the book of Genesis? You realize that this man was loaded rich. I mean, today's standards would just be insanely off the charts rich. And so the Lord blessed him and he obeyed God and he walked by faith. But through it all, God said something very important in Genesis 15. One, he said, Abraham, I am your exceeding and great reward. And so many of us would think, well, he served God and God gave him all this money. There's his reward. But no, God told Abraham, no, 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 no. I, I'm your reward. I, and when you get to know God, when you get to know your father, when you let him change your life because you just, you, re, you revere him, you respect him, you honor him, you, you fear him so much, then you'll find the reward. And someone would say, yeah, well, this guy's rich. He's got everything. He got his reward. No, 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 no. That's not the reward. God, the father himself, that's the reward. And that's what he told Abraham. He said, I know I, you got it all. You, you got everything, but that's not the reward. Abraham, I am thy exceeding and great reward. And when you get that, it'll start to change you. Absolutely. All right. So a few things really quick about the fear of the Lord. And again, this is hard for me. I've probably got 30 to 40 pages of notes on this topic, but we're doing about a half a page of notes right here. So I'm going to say few very brief things about the fear of the Lord that I'm going to move on to the rest of the chapter of Psalm 34. But when you fear the Lord, you hate evil. Well, you don't, you don't hate nothing. I don't hate anybody, but I do hate evil. Well, why would you say that? Really quick, hold your spot, okay? Put a bookmark there or whatever, but flip over to Proverbs 8 really quick. Proverbs 8. Yeah. All right. Proverbs 8. Are we having a good time tonight? Amen. And so there's a lot of people that would say they love the Lord, and I'm sure they do. A lot of people that, you know, they're cool with God, and, you know, they're like, me and God, we're vibing. We got our thing. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean you fear the Lord, though. And so let's look here at um, Proverbs 8 and verse 13. Now, in my Bible, every time I see the phrase, the fear of the Lord, I put the uh, abbreviation, I put F-O-T-L. And so especially in Psalms and Proverbs all over the place, I've got these initials and abbreviations everywhere because I want to personally find as many uh, scriptures that talk about this as I possibly can. And so, you know, it's, I like to look up things in a concordance, but I kind of like to keep track of my own that I found on my own too. And so anyway, anywhere in the Bible that I see fear of the Lord, I mark it and I put F-O-T-L beside it. Uh, but Proverbs 8 and verse 13, it says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Oh, okay. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. Now, there's a lot of other evil things besides those, but that's uh, apparently what Solomon felt to talk about right here. But all who fear the Lord will hate evil. And so I'll say, before I had a fear of the Lord, I, of course, didn't agree with a lot of the evil things that take place in this world, but they didn't bother me that bad. I'm like, well, you know, you know, do you, I'll do me and we'll just get over it. But, but nowadays, <clears throat> evil really bothers me. I hate evil. I hate it. 
It's awful. I hate to see evil. Now, I don't hate one single person in this world. And I can say that with a clear conscience before God. There is not one person on planet Earth that I could honestly say that I hate them. If I said that I hated somebody, honestly, I'd be lying. There's nobody that I could look at and say, I hate you and I hope you die and I hope you burn. There's nobody I could say that to. And there's people, you know, I prefer some people's company more than others. You know, some people I like better, but at the same time, there's nobody I hate, but there is evil that I hate. And when you fear God, according to scripture, you will hate evil because you see that it's destroying precious human lives that are made in the image of God. That's why I rejoice, man, when when we see all these things happening to overturn abortion, for instance. I don't care who you are. That's stinking evil to kill babies. In fact, Proverbs also tells us that uh, there are seven things that the Lord hates. And I think it's the second one on that list is hands that kill the innocent. Nothing and nobody's more innocent than a baby and their mommy's tummy. There's nothing more innocent in the world than that. And if you're okay with that, then, you know, God bless you. But there's not a whole lot else that we can probably talk about and agree on. Because if you think it's okay to kill people, well, they're going to... I just, man, I don't want to get into all of it. But some guy was telling me, well, yeah, you're so happy. But what about these kids are going to grow up poor? And I'm like, I don't think just because you're poor, we should kill you. I mean, I think we could find another way. What are you going to do? Go round up all the poor people and kill them? No, that's awful. That's not a good enough reason. So I'm telling you, when you begin to fear the Lord, according to scripture, you hate evil. Well, I don't like evil, but I don't hate it. No, you don't get it. You begin to hate evil. You don't hate any person but you hate evil when you fear God. All right, really quick. Also, I'll just have him put it on the screen because I got to get moving or I'm not going to finish here. But when you fear the Lord, you obey him. You could write this down, but this will be on the screen. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And of course, Moses. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And so as you fear the Lord, you begin, you want to obey him. And it's not because someone's twisting your arm or making you do it. I'm like, you will fear God. You No, you want to do it. You want to do it. And so one of the coolest stories to explain this to me was uh, in high school, um, I, uh, the the well, I went to a Christian school, so I had a Bible teacher. He was the pastor of the Baptist church that ran the school. And so he grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. And he said that when he was younger, you know, it was his chore to help get up and go feed the cows every morning. And he hated doing it. And so he said that when he was younger, you know, his dad had to come in and flip the lights on and pull the covers off and roll him out of bed and kick him out the door and threaten him and get out there and do your job. So he'd go out. He would do it but with a really bad attitude, right? <laughs> he obeyed, but it was because he was forced to and he was threatened with punishment. And that's how, you know, maybe how some of us are with the Bible. Fine, I'll do it. I will love my neighbor as myself because I want to be forgiven. You know, whatever. But so he said, as he got older, though, and more mature, he began to realize that his dad was not making him get out of bed to go feed the cows because his dad was mean and his dad enjoyed making him do hard things. His dad was doing it because these cows, this was their family's livelihood. It was their provision. This was how they lived their lives. His dad was having him do this thing 
really out of love for the whole family. And so he said it started to click with his mind as he got older. And as he got more mature, it got to the point where his dad didn't have to go in there and beat him out of bed and kick him. And No, he got up on his own before anybody else. You know what? No. I want to do this. Yeah, it's still hard. It's still inconvenient. It's not fun. But I want to obey because I get it now. I'm I'm helping my whole family. I, I'm helping my father. I, I, I'm, I'm doing it for those reasons. And when you begin to fear the Lord, I can tell you this. Honestly, it does get a little bit easier to obey God. I'll say that. It gets a little bit easier to start doing godly things because you actually want to. Just because you love the Lord. And so I know when I really got a hold of this, uh, you know, I never, I've never been a cusser ever, but you know, I would just probably say different things when I was upset, you know, like, um, for Pete's sake, golly, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I don't know what I said, but after I really just got a hold of this in my heart, I saw the bad happened. Like, oh man, I'm going to praise, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And someone would look at you like, man, you're nuts, dude. You're thanking Jesus right now. It's just what comes out. I, I can't help it. And for, again, for some people, they hit their, you know, their thumb with a hammer and, oh, beep, 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 and you know, all these bad words. But when really, when you've got, God's got a hold of your heart, you do something like that, like, oh, wow, thank you, Jesus. Wow. And that, it just comes out of your mouth. I can't explain it. It just happens. And so as you fear God, It'll change your life. And I'd like to say more on that topic, but I got to move on here. We won't cover anything else, but I should probably talk about this more someday. But fearing the Lord, it's everything, man. It's the proverb says it's the beginning of wisdom. If you're like, man, I just feel dumb. I feel like, well, fear God, man. He'll make you smart. He'll give you knowledge. He'll give you wisdom. He'll change you, man. He'll give you the mind of Christ. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and we'll move on to the second thing here uh, in Psalm 34. So the second thing is this, the, the kind of the final instruction it gives us here is to call on the Lord. Can we call on the Lord? Who in here is called on the name of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. But let's look here at uh, Psalm 34, and we're going to read verses 15 through 17. Psalm 34, verses 15 through 17. And again, we're in the NLT here. But it says this, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. Have you ever had to cry out to the Lord for help? His ears are open. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're one of those that's fearing God and serving him, he's listening. Verse 16, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. Now that's not a very encouraging verse, but praise God. It's in the Bible. All right, let's go on to the next one. (laughs) Verse uh, 17, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. When they what? Call to him for help. For help. What does he do? He rescues them from all their troubles. How many troubles will God rescue you from when you call to him? All of our troubles. And, and this verse reminds me, man, that God is 
our father. I like to see him as the almighty. I like to see him as the creator. I like to see him as all these things. But I also like to see that he is my father. And I know, I mean, I'm not, you know, he's a much better father and dad than I am. But when my kids cry, I, it gets my attention, right? I, I want to do something about it. I want to fix it. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but study after study has been done and confirmed that a mom can detect her own baby's cry out of a room full of hundreds of crying babies. There could be hundreds of babies crying and a mom can, can, can hear her own baby out of all that. And I'd like to mention that further study reveals that dads that are actively involved in their children's lives also have the same skill and dads can also do the same thing. But I know this much. Amen. Let's hear it for the dads. All right. Hey, let's hear it for the moms for we would not be alive without them. My wife has saved my life more times than I can count. All right. So uh, anyway, keep it moving though. Keep it moving. So, um, <laughs> but he can hear us through all the noise of this crazy world, I'm telling you that right now. And we may think like, there's a lot of noise in this world, isn't there? There's a lot of people doing a lot of crazy things, but he can hear us through every single bit of it. All right. So I want you to keep your place in Psalm 34. We're coming back. We're coming back. But really quick, Jeremiah 33, verse three, Jeremiah 33, verse three. Can you go with me? Would you go with me? All right. It's a good country song, but anyway, uh, Jeremiah 33, and we're going to look here at verse three. I'm going to see it in the new King James. Then I'm going to look at a couple other quick, uh, translations of it, but Jeremiah 33 verse three says, call to me and I will answer you. Who knows that call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. Call to me. I'm telling you tonight, call to him and he will show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. Well, I like, I'm going to throw it up here on the screen. I think it's going to be on the, the, the NLT. It words that last part this way. The New Living says, I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Who thinks that sounds like a really good benefit? And we know that Jesus said in the book of John that the Holy Spirit will tell you about things to come. Well, here in the Old Testament, it tells us that when we call on him, he does answer and he will tell you remarkable things. Then the Message Bible, all right, which isn't, a, you know, anyway, not a full translation, but a paraphrase. But it says it this way. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. I like that. He says, call on me, I'll answer you, I'll talk to you, and I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you can never figure out on your own. And I know, man, maybe you're super smart, but I'm the kind of guy that needs somebody to tell me things that I can never figure out on my own. And I've got that in the Lord. And there's been so many things, man, that... That I never could have figured. I never could have done. But he always has the answer. But what do you got to do? You got to call on him. You've got to call on him. All right. Let's finish up here. Back to Psalm 34. Back to Psalm 34. But I'm just thinking what a good father we have. And one of our jobs as parents is to tell our kids things that they can never figure out on their own. No, my kids think it's their job to tell me things that I can never figure out on my own. But anyway, that's... 
Praise the Lord. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they may not always listen, but you're still telling them things, right, that you that they need to know. That they, you know, they, you're still telling them. And that makes me think about God. He's always telling us things, and, it, you know, we got to listen, though, right? Just like your kids, they're not going to get all this wisdom from you unless they listen. And you're calling on the Lord, and he'll tell you wondrous things, but you've got to be listening. Psalm 34 and verse 18, and it tells us this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Now, sometimes we've all, probably all been in a spot where we've been brokenhearted. Anybody, you've been brokenhearted. I'm not just talking about romance or the Hallmark Channel or, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, those, those are you know, real things, too. But we've all been brokenhearted some way, somehow, by something at some point in time. But here's the good news. When you're brokenhearted, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I know he's always close, but this scripture really tells us, especially to the brokenhearted, he is close to them. And then I love this. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Now, we've, man, maybe you've been in that spot, but you know, the book of Proverbs chapter four tells us to guard our heart, which we know is our spirit above all else. For it determines the course of your life. And he tells us to guard it because when you let your spirit get crushed, you're in a really, really bad spot. That means you've taken a stab to the heart is what that means. But the good news is it ain't over because he will rescue those whose spirits are crushed. I need to look at the next verse, verse 19. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Now, I'd like it if that verse said the righteous person never faces any troubles. Wouldn't that? I think that'd be a lot better, but hey, that's not what it says. It says that the righteous person definitely faces many troubles. And people, you know, I talk to people all the time. Man, it's weird. Like, I, I started serving God. I started taking it serious. And then it seems like bad stuff started happening. Hey, the, listen. Hey, the righteous person yeah, they face many troubles, but it doesn't end there. But the Lord comes to the rescue every single time. That's good news. He comes to the rescue every time. And so I may go through some stuff, yeah, but every single time God has rescued me. And and it may say, like, well, it seems like more's happening. You don't realize it, that before the Lord was fighting for you, when you were on your own, when you were not righteous... All it would take is one good hit and you would have been, it could have ended it all for you. Proverbs tells us that the righteous man may fall seven times, but he keeps getting right back up. But for the wicked, one solid hit is enough to end him forever. And so you may think, well, I see, I got all these little things happening. The car broke down. The kid got sick, blah, blah. Man, stop. Listen to me. Listen to me. The Lord comes to the rescue every single time. All it took was one hit before, and it could have ended your life. You better respect God, and you better thank Him for that. Amen? He rescues you out of every situation. Now, out of these last two verses that we looked at, there's one key and beautiful word that I love, and it's the word rescue. I love to talk about rescue. And the reason I love to talk about rescue is because the Lord's rescued me a few times out of some bad stuff. And I've learned that sometimes we don't appreciate a certain topic or subject until we can relate to it. You know, 
people always told me, man, the Grand Canyon is beautiful. It's awesome. I saw pictures. I saw documentaries. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, whatever. Then I went to the Grand Canyon and I was like, whoa, they ain't joking. This thing's beautiful. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life until I saw the sequoias. But anyway, so, you know, <laughs> but it's absolutely beautiful. I didn't appreciate it till I had experienced it myself. And I think sometimes we talk about the grace of God, the rescue of God, the redemption, and some of these things. And we're like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. But when you needed it and it worked for you, you get a whole new appreciation for it. Now, I love how God will rescue us, but he usually does it in a way that we never saw coming. And so I heard this story. Uh, I'm going to share really quick here. Um, a, a ship went down in a bad storm. And then we talked about storms on Sunday. But in this storm, only one man survived. He was fortunate enough to land on an uninhabited island in the South Pacific. With just a few items in his pocket, he was able to build a small shelter to protect himself from the rough weather uh, that, you know, there were storms and lightning and, and wind and rain every single day that he was stuck on this tiny little island. Uh, but once the shelter was actually built, he had one goal, and that was to find a ship that was going by that he could somehow get their attention and rescue him. Now, I watch a lot of survival shows, so I have tons of ideas flying through my head right now that this guy probably could have done. But anyway, so every morning he had the same routine. He would go out and scan the horizon for ships, and when he didn't see any, he, you know, he maybe go forage in the little, you know, uh, wooded area for wild edibles and, and then come back. And then later in the afternoon, he'd go scan the horizon and, and, and look for stuff. And so one day he's out back in the, in, you know, in the, the, the trees looking for food. He comes back and it's just like every other day. There's a storm. His little hut had burned to the ground while he was gone. And he realized lightning struck it while he was gone. It burned the supplies that he had somehow saved, the tools that he had, everything that he needed was burned, and he just sat there nearly suicidal. And, and he's like, I don't, you know what, I haven't seen a ship. Everything that I had left to my name is gone. So he sits there, and all he can picture is death. All he can picture is never making it out of this situation. And so as he's there, tears kind of rolling down his face and just wondering, Am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? Am I going to end it all? He falls asleep. Then he wakes up and he thinks he's seeing a mirage, but he looks out and there's actually a ship out there this time, a couple hundred yards out. And there's people waving, hey, we see you. Huh? Huh? And so he's kind of in and out of it. Next thing he knows, the guys are walking up to him and they're like, oh my gosh, this is, you did the right thing. What? We saw your smoke signals out there. If you hadn't started this fire and burned this wood, we never would have seen you. And here's the thing. The disaster that he thought was the final nail in the coffin for him was really the thing that turned things around. And I, I would, I guess, phrase this with the thing that God ended up using to be what rescued him. And sometimes we're seeing things like, oh, one more thing. You don't realize, man. I'm not saying that God sent the lightning. I don't, we know that you could debate that. But what I am saying is this, is that when he thought it was all over, God had an awesome way of turning the disaster around for his good. And in our lives, we may think like, oh, this is the final one. But hey, 
God could turn that whole thing around and that little fire that you think is there to just burn your whole life to the ground could be the thing that's sending up the smoke signal to get somebody to come and bail you out and rescue you. But the Lord rescues us. Amen. All right. I'm just going to read the final three verses and then we're going to get on out of here tonight. Verses 20 through 22. Are we having a good time still? Amen. The Lord certainly is good to us. Verse 20 says, For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Well, what is that all about? That's a messianic prophecy. That is a perfect prophecy and prediction of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus died on the the cross, the righteous one, not one bone was broken. And that's rare because in crucifixion, usually they had to come and break the guy's legs, you know, finally kill him off. Uh, But Jesus died before he reached that point. So they stabbed a spear into his side between his ribs and blood and water flowed out. But the David prophesied that, hey, the righteous one, not one of his bones is going to be broken. And in Jesus, not one bone was broken. And I think that's absolutely incredible. But look here at verse 21. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be punished. Everyone's like, oh, they hate me. They hate me. <laughs> Let's stop. Are you righteous? They're going to get punished. I've talked about that a lot lately, but you know, in your free time, go read Romans 12. It'll do you a lot of good. But I'm telling you that, hey, the Lord will take care of it. No need for you to take care of it. God's got this. All right. And then verse 22. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. No one who takes refuge in him is going to be condemned. Now, I, I, I just again, I, that's my favorite chapter in all the Psalms. You know, I could arguably say my favorite chapter of the Bible. But out of all of that, I know this much that David didn't write this because he never had any troubles and he had a perfect posh life. David wrote this because he had been through a thing or two. And he wrote this because he knew where to turn to in his help. And so I encourage you that if you face many troubles as the righteous, apparently that tells us is going to happen sometimes. If you face many troubles, you need to know to go to things like this and speak God's word over your life and get that revelation that he will rescue you every single time so you don't got to feel sorry for yourself god's got you your father's got you he'll get you out of this thing but you got to do it his way and you've got to call on the name of the lord amen all right well we better just go ahead and end there tonight because i'm just going to keep talking and talking and talking all right hallelujah can we go ahead and stand up together this beautiful evening praise the lord i'm gonna have josh come up here and uh I know the last few services we haven't been able to do the altar ministry uh, quite how we want to. But uh, again, we're going to be able to kind of get back to that a little bit better on Sunday. Uh, but let's go ahead and Josh, if you could, uh, that was a perfect song we sang earlier, actually. Why don't we just sing that together again for a minute? And if you are in need tonight, I, you know, I can always pray for you. My parents can always pray for you. Anybody in here could pray for you. But, uh, but let's take a minute and let's talk to God. Why don't you call out to the Lord for a minute here while we're worshiping God in these final couple of minutes tonight? And then, uh, you know, if you need prayer, you can come see one of us at the end. We'll pray for you. We love doing that. But why don't we just take a minute as we worship God and just call out to Him? Amen. All right, go ahead, Josh.
things out tonight. We'll do our Barstow Faith Confession here in a second, but as we do so, I want to remind you that uh, tomorrow at 5, uh, yeah, a lot of you guys raised your hand, we're going to uh, set, do our best to get as much stuff set up in the sanctuary, get the stage area set up for Sunday, and then 6.30 is the Harvest Fest meeting for those that are going to uh, be involved in helping out uh, the, the initial planning of Harvest Fest. Now, don't get me wrong, we're all going to help out with Harvest Fest, aren't we? Yeah, all right. At least that night you'll be helping little kids collect candy or knock ducks out of the pond or something. But we'll all be, all of us will be helping that. But the initial planning stages uh, tomorrow night at 6.30 in this building. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray. And then we will see you either tomorrow night or Sunday morning, adults in the main sanctuary. Amen. All right, praise God. Yes, the Lord is causing things to move quick. Amen. All right, let's let's uh let's raise our hands and pray. David said that we should raise our hands in prayer, and 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 Paul himself said that men everywhere ought to lift their hands in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, as we saw tonight, God, we we want to get to know you better and better. We we've got that fear of the Lord, God, and it's because we just love you so much. We we would never want to do anything that could hurt you or or bring shame or dishonor to you or or cause people to to think poorly of you. God, we 
know that our, our behavior is a reflection upon our Father. And we take that seriously. And we love you, Father. Lord, I pray that you'd also help us to remember, as the rest of Psalm 34 showed us, that we can always call on you and you rescue us every single time. You are so good. We love you so much. And I pray that you would use us the rest of this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. And we know you'll bring us back safely on Sunday because you said your angels, they surround and defend us everywhere we go. And so thank you for your promise of protection, Lord. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? All right. Well, I'm going to let Ellie do the uh, confession. She asked if she could do it. So, all right, baby girl. You want to, can you see it? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus, and Jesus is safe. In Jesus' name, amen. See you Sunday.